Hello everyone, and before we get into today's episode of Tyler's Thursday Takes, I would like to go ahead and shout out something that I feel very passionate about, and that is Anchor. Anchor has helped us so much with growing our podcast, getting it to more people. Um, if you haven't found the new episodes anywhere you get your podcast, you, you should find them. It shouldn't be that hard. Anyways, Anchor has made it so much easier for us to get our podcast out to you on anywhere that podcasts are available. We are available on iTunes, Google, Spotify, pretty much anywhere you can think of. So I just want to take a quick second to say thank you, Anchor, for everything you're doing, and uh, we are proud to be part of Anchor. So hopefully y'all enjoy the show. Don't try to stop me Welcome to Glen Echo, a picture postcard community that is itself representative of a thousand small towns found all across America. But is there a brand of unspeakable evil set to shatter the serenity of this rural haven? The same brand of evil that has plagued a host of similar communities for the better part of 30 years. Yes, there is, and it is me. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Tyler's Thursday Takes. In case you were not able to tell by the title of today's episode, we are going to be reviewing one of my favorite movies from a long time ago. It's a horror movie that has a little bit of another spin on it. It is Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. This movie... I remember watching it when it first came out. I thoroughly enjoyed it then. I thoroughly enjoy it now, and that's why I felt like it would be a great idea to try to review it for Tyler's Thursday Takes because it's a movie that I like, and I'm sure I'll give it a pretty good review, and uh, hopefully it still sticks that way. Um, I'm going to go ahead and give you all a couple little facts here. So this movie came out in 2006, so it is a bit of an older movie. It does have an IMDb rating of 6.7 out of 10. Uh, I definitely think it's a bit better than that, and a lot of other people do as well. If we take a look at some of its awards that it has won, um, it hasn't won a Grammy or anything like that, but we don't care about that over here. We only care about awards that Tyler gives out. It has been a winner of the Fantasia Film Festival, the best European North South America film, the winner of the Le Cron Fantastique Award. It has also been a winner of the Audience Award at the Gen Art Film Festival, winner of the Carnet Jove Special Mention, and winner of the Audience Award and Toronto After Dark Film Festival. So if that doesn't tell you that there are at least a couple people that enjoy this movie, then I don't know what else to tell you. It has... A lot of high esteem from people that have watched it. It doesn't have a great critic score. But then again, not a lot of good movies that are good have good critic scores. And you can't blame it on that. But we have heard enough of all the little ticky-tack things about it. I know what you're really here for. You're here for me to get into this review. So the movie starts off with this kind of stereotypical like waitress girl who walks out back. She's kind of spooked. The door shuts behind her. Like real cinematic and that's why it's confusing when after the credits play, you're open up to like this interview type of deal. It's uh, actually the clip that was played at the very end of the intro. 
It's about a reporter. Her name is Taylor, and she basically is kind of getting the scoop on a supposed serial killer who's going to be taking out his plans here in the near future. The name of that serial killer is, of course, Leslie Vernon. He is the main kind of plot point of today's movie. He is like everything that this goes around. And um, he's kind of the main figure that you would see in this movie. Uh, I mean, of course, it's named after him. So what do you expect? So they open up on this house. And of course, there's spooky stuff going around. And they're already kind of freaked out. And you just kind of have to sit there like, dude, you came to interview a serial killer. You think it's going to be sunshine and rainbows? Like, why are you getting so spooked out? Anyways, he ends up he ends up popping out from like behind the house, and he's like, "Oh, I got you." And my first impressions of him is he's basically like a Walmart version of Ryan Reynolds, this Leslie Vernon. He uh, he's very charismatic. He's very nice to them. He definitely doesn't strike you as somebody who's going to be a serial killer. And so they go inside and kind of start trying to figure out, you know, how he lives and everything. And he shows them his pet. He shows them his pet turtles. And uh, he has this wonderful golden line that, like, it, I, I just find it fascinating. Uh, turtles are, are good that way. Very feng shui. Yeah. Yeah. Plants and turtles. Plants and turtles. I only keep pets I can eat. I mean, the man's looking at it at a very smart perspective. You know, he can eat a turtle. He might have to fight off a dog, but he can very easily eat a turtle, like, the man's got his priorities straight. And so after kind of going through his house and everything, and he even does this like little sports training montage, and they're like, why do you work out so much? He's like, well, geez, I got to keep up with everybody. I got to move like a gazelle. I got to make it look like I'm, you know, the whole thing, how serial killers, they barely like move and everything and everybody's tripping. Well, he's basically saying, we got to hightail it. And people don't understand. So I got to be, I got to be in tip top physical condition. So anyways, he takes him to the house. It's his supposed childhood house where his mother was killed in the apple orchard. And it's all this spooky backstory. And, and so the reporter, she asks him, she goes, well, well, why don't you just live here? Why don't you live here then instead of so far out of town? Because I can't. Because, because as far as the town of Glen Echo is concerned, I'm dead. Yeah, it kind of seems a little bit self-explanatory. He can't, ex like, Michael Myers isn't sitting at his house chilling watching Spongebob. Like, you can't just be at the house that you're supposedly supposed to be haunting. So it's kind of a dumb question there, Miss Reporter Girl. Anyways, he goes on to talk about, like, step two is getting a target group. And you have to have, like, the jocks, the stoners, and this one very important person, the survivor girl. But the thing that's most interesting about the whole survivor goal scene is i know i'll play the clip for you you won't be able to see it because obviously it's a podcast but behind the survivor girl there's the kids that are jump roping from the old nightmare on elm street you know they're all in the white and everything so here like i said you won't be able to see it, but i i think it's a cool little thing like her who just might be able to walk away from me at the end of the day okay what is it about this girl and also in the end of that clip you hear the reporter asked, what is it about this girl? Well, the whole thing is she's supposed to be a virgin. She's supposed to be the survival girl, you know, this strong, independent woman. And so that's kind of the whole critique to it is like, 
you need to have a survivor girl and she needs to be a virgin. Like that's part of it. And so now they go to step three, which is the flyby, which is to kind of like start the inklings of getting people worried about it. And it's actually pretty interesting because like I said, how in the movie opened up in this cinematic shot of this waitress going out back and the door shutting and she gets all freaked out and everything there. They actually perpetrate this. Like they are actually the ones who, who did it. And so they kind of show how that happened. And I think it's really cool. So now after they successfully succeed in absolutely terrifying the hell out of this waitress person, they end up going and he's like, Oh, I got to go tell Eugene and everything. And so they go meet Eugene and Eugene, you find out is like this old kind of like master of the craft. And he talks about how Freddy, Jason and them, they're all like experts. Those guys change the game and everything. And he actually gives a really good insight as to why the serial killers would want to do what they do and why Leslie has kind of chosen why he is doing what he is doing. Every civilization from the dawn of man has had its monsters. For good to be pitted against evil, you have to have evil, don't you? And I just really like the insight on that. Like, in all these movies, a lot of times you don't really get an explanation. I know, like, in a lot of the big horror movies, like Nightmare on Elm Street, you kind of get a backstory as to why, and because he was, like, a pedophile and stuff like this. But in this one, he blatantly just says, look, if there's going to be good, there's got to be bad. And so to continue on that bad statement, he now goes to try to freak out Kelly a little bit more. And Kelly is the waitress girl that he has been terrorizing this entire time. So he decides, oh, we'll go terrorize her at the at the library. And so they go to kill off a non-titular character being the librarian. The librarian, funny enough, um, is the actress from the movie Poltergeist. You know, the girl with the very, like, high-pitched voice, uh, Zelda Rubenstein, or Stein, as Miss Collinwood, the librarian. So th this movie, if you love horror movie Easter eggs, then you will absolutely love this movie because they are all over the place. And so anyways... He's kind of getting stuff set up, and he explains to the reporter and Todd, the cameraman and all them, he explains basically what's going to happen. It is going to get wet in here tonight. Place your boots up, kitties. And wet it does get indeed. He ends up killing the librarian, and as you know, on this show, we always let you hear the deaths. Wesley! No more. It ends here. And man, oh man, when I first watched this movie, a lot of you true horror fans out there, you probably would have recognized it. But for those of you in the back who didn't, that was the legendary voice of the great Robert England. Yes, Robert England actually makes an appearance in this movie. As many of you know, Robert England is... He's he's Freddy Krueger. I've met the dude before. He is the coolest guy. Anyways, he ends up like shooting at Leslie and you have no idea who this is and like he shoots at him, he protects Kelly and so Leslie bolts out of there. And once they get out of there, Leslie's like ecstatic after just getting shot at and he's like we got an Ahab. Happy day. Doc Howard. <laughs> Right when you need him. It's unbelievable. <laughs> it looks like he got your AM. <laughs> 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 
So a lot of you are probably wondering, what's an Ahab? Well, supposedly in the serial killer community, an Ahab is supposed to be that guy who's willing to put his life on the line for good, basically the whole antithesis of what it is to be evil or what it is to be a serial killer. So he's ecstatic because this is basically his rival. This is who is going to do everything to stop him. So he's ecstatic. And of course, the next day, the reporter and her crew decide, we're going to go to the cafe that Kelly works at. After Leslie has specifically told them, do not interact with her at all. And I'm pretty sure going to the place that she works is interacting. Anyways, of course, Doc Holleran sitting there because he is a massive creepo. And he goes, what are you doing? Why are you following this girl? Do you know Leslie? He's like, you don't know who you think. You don't know who he is. He's actually Leslie Mancusco. And so, like, the reporter finds out that Leslie is not actually who he says he is. And he flips as soon as they get out. He, like, pushes her up against the van. He's like, we'll talk about this later. And so, basically, they have this big conversation. Turns out Leslie's not Leslie Vernon. He's Leslie Mancusco. He's, like, he formulated this whole thing just so he could be the serial killer. And the whole reason that Doc Collarin can't just arrest him is because he has a restraining order about him. And it's really kind of weird, but it's really interesting to kind of see how he, you know, formulates the fact that none of this can, like, happen anymore. And so now they go for, like, a 60-minute sit-down type of interview where the reporter is now interviewing Leslie and basically asking, oh, well, what's your plan? And he kind of goes, like, Ocean's Eleven, and he basically explains the entire thing so he talks about how you want to keep everyone inside the house as possible uh you can't kill him in the closet because it's a safe space which is completely ridiculous in the very like in the original first halloween movie she is literally attacked in the closet so it's definitely not a safe space and he makes it pretty clear rule number one no one gets away but basically he starts going down the group of people and i just had to include this in here because i thought this clip was hilarious to me and's gonna get frustrated take it out on the stoners the stoners are gonna be stoned ah yes that is the type of peak quality explanation that i strive for in this podcast to kind of bring to all of you that stoners will be stoned and anyway so he continues to go through and he goes all the way through how he kills all the people and like all the various different ways and he gets to the part where she's going to She's going to look to defend herself, but not just defend herself. For a big, long, hard weapon. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> it's okay, Tay. It's deeply symbolic. She's empowering herself with cock. Empowering herself with the power of penis, my friends. Yes, that is correct. You heard it correct. Everything in this plan, he keeps referring back to the fact that it's symbolic of, basically, it's all sexual. Like, they talk about how the closet represents the womb, how the weapon symbolizes his dick. So it's really weird how, like, sexual it is, but it's all supposed to be, like, a metaphor for being born and all that. And so... 
he goes through how he basically kills everyone and he leaves it up to the final girl. One of the things he mentions is that he pre-cuts all the limbs on the branches to where if they try to climb out through the trees, it'll snap and they'll fall down. So he's basically thought of absolutely everything. And so now he goes back to meet Eugene and his wife and they kind of have their last kind of run through, kind of, you know, pep talk, kind of know everything will be all right. But Eugene has this absolutely, like, this is the information that everybody in a horror movie needs to hear. And these are the rules you need to live by. (laughs) Aside from that, the simple answer is run like a motherfucker and don't stop till the sun comes up. Pardon the French, but there it is. And don't try to hide. We'll find you. Don't try to be a hero and fight us. You'll lose. Now pick out a clear spot ahead of you as far away as possible and run straight. And don't ever, ever look back because you won't like what you see. I promise you that. (laughs) And so now they're getting all ready and Leslie's putting this goop on his face and he actually says it's to keep his blood vessels constricted. It actually helps him stay fire, fire retardant because he just thinks it'd be a nice thing to put in there. And so now he starts enacting his plan and they're in this like hidey hole and the couple come upstairs to do things that couples do in a horror movie. And you know what happens when you kind of get busy in a horror movie. So he kills the couple. And they're so surprised by this. He told you he was going to kill the couple and you're sitting here acting like it's news to you. And of course, anyway, so this absolutely freaks out the reporter and she loses her shit for some reason. Hey. Hey, what's wrong? Get that thing out of my face. Just get it out of my face. I don't give a fuck. Hey, hey, Jesus. Okay, outside. Everybody outside. So Leslie takes them all out, and they're like, why'd you, why'd you bring us out here? And he's like, look, you had that look in your eye where you're like, I can't just sit by and let this happen. And it's so frustrating to me because you have been going along with this the entire time. It's not like he was, like, joking about it. He's already killed a librarian. <laughs> like, what makes you think that this isn't a serious gig to him? Like, this is definitely what he's doing. And so now we completely abandon the whole, like, documentary style, and it's all cinematic now, which I, oh, I, as somebody who enjoys film and likes seeing different, like, things implemented in it, different cinematography and all that, for them to have the ambition to go from, like, a documentary style to straight on cinematic, oh, it's so, I'm just so happy about it. And so... Now they're like, okay, we can't let this happen. And so they run back in there and they start going over the plan. They're like, oh, oh, what's he going to do next? They're like, "Uh, upstairs, he's going to go kill somebody upstairs. And so they run upstairs and turns out Kelly's not exactly the virgin survivor girl because she's also getting busy with another guy. And they're like, this isn't supposed to happen. They're like, well, what's going on here? Obviously, Leslie was wrong. He was supposed to know that that she was a virgin, but he, he got it wrong? And so now, Leslie sees that they're in the house, and 
it's basically Leslie's gonna wreck you now. He's gonna absolutely destroy every single one of you. And I think they kind of begin to realize this also. Why would you change the plan like this? He's he's adjusting it. Why? What for? To accommodate for the extra people in the house. Tell me he didn't see you before at the window. Fuck me! God! I told you. What is what? Let's just think this thing through. He's got these two clowns going to look in the tool shed. He's only expecting one kid. As you heard at the end of that clip, the two stoners are now going to go look in the tool shed because, like, they're going to get this guy. And so they get there and uh, they do what stoners do in horror movies. Check out this scarecrow, man. Just come on back out of here, man. I'm going to put this in my room. when you turn on the serial killer that you were interviewing for your news reporting TV show, yeah, you're kind of fucked. And so after seeing that, they run back into the house and they're all in the upstairs bedroom. They're all freaking out. They're like, oh, we got to protect Kelly. Kelly's the survivor girl. And they're like, why is he going to come for me? And he's like, well, he thinks you're a virgin. And so you're the survivor girl. And so there's like banging on the door that they're in. And remind you, they're on the second floor. And so they barricade the door. Kelly freaks out throws a chair through the window, and remember that thing I said earlier about pre-cutting the tree limbs? That's out of the bag now. Man, Todd is like a treasure trove for comedy bits also. Whenever I start doing sound bits, Todd, you're going to be number one on the list. And so after realizing this, they're like, okay, well, we're all screwed. Might as well run. So they run outside. And Todd is actually kind of smart. He's like, look, he said run. Only downside is Todd's kind of a big dude. Come on, Les. Come on, buddy. Come on, you physical specimen. Taste the dough, boy. And now Todd does what everybody who runs in a horror movie does also. He falls. Leslie comes up to him and Todd's like, uh, let, let me see your face. Just let me see you. Let me see you. Look at me, man. It's fucking Todd. It's Todd. In it together. We're fucking doing this thing together, man. It's Todd. Come on. Come on. Come on! And as you could hear at the end of that clip, Todd gets his neck snapped. 
Todd's one of those guys where you, you're really rooting for him to make it through, but that's what happens when you cross a serial killer. And so thanks to the fact that Todd, the greatest, R.I.P. my boy, thanks to him, everyone else was able to run into the barn. And so they're all sitting there, they're trying to figure out what's going on. And that's when the reporter figures it out and everyone else kind of figures it out also that it's her. She's the final girl. His plan is bland. It's fucked. Okay, he's got no virgin, and Todd made him run in the wrong direction. Now think. It's her. Lauren's right. It's you. You're the virgin. Ha <laughs> ha, <laughs> you're the virgin. I know that's not a good thing in this, but. I thought it would be funny. <laughs> and so, for some reason, the same girl who was like, it's it's her, she's, she's the final girl, she has this imparting words of wisdom to ask upon the all-great leading final girl. What happens to me? You die. You're not called the final girl. You are... I am here to die. <laughs> and this is brought apparent in one of the very next scenes because they go to try to get a more strategic spot and they go. So this is a continuity that I don't know if there is a deleted scene here, but they run up in the barn, somehow end up on the bottom floor of the barn. And at this point, Doc Holliday comes in and of course the whole mistaken identity thing. They hit him, knock him out. And... This is all, this whole sequence is confusing because after they knock him out, the what happens to me girl goes up the ladder and um, Leslie gets himself a double. So the final jock guy was struggling with Leslie. Leslie wrapped a rope around his neck. They both kind of fell off. He hung the jock guy and he fell to the ground. And so now they're like, oh, we got we to find our way out of here. And of course the reporters figured out. They're like, no, he has everything planned now. He knew this was going to happen. They tried to move some hay bales to get out of there. And the dead stoners are there. And so as they're looking at that, Leslie sits up in the background. He's getting ready to come up behind the reporter and kill her. And as soon as he does, Doc Colloran gets up and he's like, Leslie, no. And he like, he's, they're fighting. And Leslie slowly just kind of stabs him with his sickle. And he goes down. And so they go right, they're all going right according to plan. And so they run into this grain mill area. And they try to jump out a window. But of course, Leslie already thought about that. So the only way for her to go out is through the slide. And the other cameraman stands there, and he, he decides he's going to be a tough guy. I love her. You gotta go through me. Yeah, a real tough guy for a whole two and a half seconds. Anyway, so she runs out, and it's almost exactly mimicking how it was before. She runs to the shed. Unfortunately, my boy Todd's in there, R.I.P., the big homie. 
and she goes and she gets a long, hard cock object in the form of the axe. And like I said, all these axes were already previously booby-trapped and like they were all made faulty. And so she goes into the apple orchard and she ends up hitting him in the side and she drops the axe and she picks up the axe and looks down and he's disappeared. Like he's straight up just ninja'd his way out of there. And so they go to this tool shed and there's an apple cider press in it and just kind of normal stuff. It's not really supposed to be part of the plan. And so she goes in there and the whole main fight happens between her and Leslie. She gets the drop on him, but he overpowers her because he is, as Todd said, a physical specimen. And because of that, she's reaching down and she grabs the sickle from like in his back pocket and stabs him in the side and she beats him up, pushes his head inside of the apple cider press, and she starts spinning it around, and, like, you can hear it crushing his head, and you just, you just hear him say this. I knew you were the one. And so that part at the end was her giving it one final twist and kind of sealing his death. And just to make sure, she starts pouring gasoline all over the place and sets it on fire. She runs out of the shed, and Doc Holleran is there, and so is the other guy who's fake tough. And they're like, he's just a man. That's all he is. He's not a story. He's, he's just a man. And it ends there, staring at the, at the burning building. But for those of you who decide to stay for after credits, you would be very pleasantly surprised. As they are going through the after credits, you see it's inside of what appears to be like a body morgue. And they open up one of the one of the you know, storage areas, they wheel it out, and it's the body bag, and they unzip it and you can see it's 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 Leslie Vernon, and the nurse has her back turned and everything, and as she is you see him sit up, and then it ends. Because if you remember, the goop he was putting on his face was also fire retardant. And that is where this movie ends. Uh, I actually got through this one at a pretty decent time. We're looking at 30 minutes. So I'm going to go ahead and give you a little bit more of my thoughts on this movie. Like I said, I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. I thought this was a good movie, and I thought this was a good movie for about the last 15 years because like I said I saw this a long time ago I really 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 enjoy how it goes from two different styles of movie it goes from the documentary type straight to the cinematic and it just goes back and forth so easily there's so many easter egg references in this movie that if you're really a horror fan you you really see and you really appreciate them and there's just so much to look for and there's so much about this that if you really pay attention there's just so much that there's so much to enjoy that's why I like the movie Trick or Treat that we did on our Halloween special please go listen to that if you have not it is very good it is about my favorite Halloween my favorite holiday just it's a great listen go listen to that but there's just so many things in this movie that if you pay attention, you you just, there's so much to be enjoyed on second viewings. So, for example, for the first time that they interview Eugene and his wife, 
you can see on the table that's sitting there, you see a Hellraiser's box. Like, it's just these little small things that if you pay attention, there's so many things that you can learn from. Like, Leslie's real surname, like I said, was Mancusco, and Frank Mancusco Jr. was the producer of most of the Friday the 13th movies. There's just so many Easter eggs to this that if you if you enjoy horror movies, you need to watch this. You need to give it your time of day. I know IMDb is lying to you with a 6.7 out of 10. There is no way in God's green earth that this is a 7, a 6.7 out of 10. I've always said this is just an excellent movie. I thoroughly enjoy it. And you know what? I like it so much that I'm going to watch this movie with my girlfriend. Either today or t- we might watch it. While listening to this episode, because this episode is coming out for you on a Thursday, and I'm staying up until 11.26 on a Wednesday, so I can get this out for all the listening ears that want to hear it. So, I greatly appreciate any of you who are here, who listen to Tyler's Thursday Takes, but before we go on, I gotta give you my rating. So, we are going to give a very special Tyler's Thursday Takes rating to Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. We are going to give this movie a 9.8. I know, I know that may sound a bit high, definitely a lot higher than IMDb, but if you ask me the way that it goes between the whole documentary film and the cinematic film, and they explain so much, and there's nothing that's just left up, and it's the acting was good. I really enjoyed the main character who played Leslie Vernon. He did a great job. Like I said, he reminds me of a Walmart version, Ryan Reynolds. That is not a knock on him. Just Ryan Reynolds is Ryan Reynolds. You can't pass that up. But his name is Nathan Basil. I, I thought he did a great job. I thoroughly enjoyed every bit of this movie. And I know you will too. If you enjoy horror movies, you will definitely enjoy this movie as well. So like I said, 9.8. That's hard. That's hard to top. I, I honestly don't know if I have one that's better than this. I don't even know if I would have given Trick or Treat that. I know it, it would have been up there if it was a Tyler's Thursday take, but that is not on Tyler's Thursday take. Tyler's Thursday takes will be a completely separate rating system than the main podcast but I greatly appreciate anybody who has stuck around this long to hear all of my ramblings about this movie so thank you to everyone who decided to listen who decided to stay who decided to sit here and listen to me talk about one of my favorite movies with you so in case you didn't hear we will be having something very special coming up in the next couple of weeks for our main podcast like I said, this episode is currently free to everybody who wants to listen everywhere. Hopefully, whenever we get a little bit more of a fan base, we can start doing a little bit more exclusive things for y'all. But until then, I can't wait to give out more content for y'all. Can't wait for y'all to listen. And I hope that I am making it interesting for y'all. So thank you to everyone who has listened. Thank you to everyone who is going to listen. And hopefully here soon, we can actually start making a business out of this so thank you everyone 
I greatly appreciate you for sticking around. I managed to keep it under 40 minutes this time. Thank you all. Now you hit the phone